Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. If you're just joining with us, we continue a message series entitled Wrapped in Wonder. And uh, we're talking about the Christmas story, obviously, for this month. And if you were here last week, um, we really referenced uh, our Advent moment, which is the hope that Christ can bring into our hearts. And we focused on uh, the birth of John the Baptist and obviously Zechariah and Elizabeth. Um, And if you haven't seen that, don't worry, you can go to our website and you can kind of take a look at that if you'd like. Um, But it really kind of ramps us up as we move closer to Christmas. Um, But I'm really, really excited because uh, today specifically, it's going to talk about those moments. Last week, we talked about the hope. Sometimes God can really, can can you change my life? Can there really, really be a difference? Can this Christmas really truthfully be different. And we kind of build off that this week because I believe that all of us every day, and if you really lean in today, you really see that I believe God speaks very subtly to us every day. In fact, I think he wants us to have a better life every day. And there are moments when even in the, in the subtlest of conversations, he can tap us on the shoulder with the Holy Spirit and he can say, hey, Terry, Terry, listen, lean in. Terry, don't shut down. Terry, just, just listen. Terry, stop talking. Terry, don't just talk to be heard. Actually, just listen so that you can understand before you respond. Terry, I want to help you to have a better life. And we're going to see in the Christmas story a moment that really illustrates that same moment for us. And if we respond the same way a young girl responds, we might just have a better Christmas this year. In fact, in order to illustrate that a better way, um, there's a movie I watched uh, a while ago. Uh, it's called The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Not the animated one for some of us. Um, it's so funny. Now I can talk in three stages. Not the, not the animated one that a lot of us my age grew up with. Uh, not, not necessarily the new one that just came out in the theaters, which, by the way, is pretty awesome. So if you haven't seen The Grinch, it's a good movie. Um, not The Grinch, but actually the Jim Carrey version of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. And there's a moment where... All All of a sudden, the Grinch is doing what he does best. He's coming into the homes. He's taking all the presents and everything. And Cindy Lou Who is going to wake up and going to have a conversation with the Grinch. And for a moment, I think maybe the Grinch is going to get it. But then he says something, which I think is what we typically do from time to time. So take a look at the screen. Cleaned out that icebox as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch, he even took their last can of Who Hash. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. And now, grinned the Grinch. I stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree, and he started to shove, when he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove. Excuse me. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny who daughter who'd got out of bed for a cup of cold water. Santa Claus, what are you doing with our tree? But you know, that old Grinch was so smart and so slick. He thought up a lie, and he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little dot. The fake Santa Claus lied. There's a light on this tree that won't blink on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. <laughs> I'll fix it up there, 
and I'll bring it back here. Santa, what's Christmas really about? Vengeance! <gasps> er, I mean... Presents, I suppose. And his fib fooled the child. Then he patted her head, and he got her a drink, and he sent her to bed. Santa? What? Don't forget the Grinch. I know he's mean and hairy and smelly. His hands might be cold and clammy. But I think he's actually kind of sweet. Sweet! You don't think he's sweet? Merry Christmas, Santa. When Cindy Lou went up with her cup. Nice kid. Bad judge of character. He went to the chimney and stuck the tree up. Nice kid. Bad judge of character. It's almost like in that moment, nice kid. You know, maybe this is different. Maybe, you know, maybe I've had this all wrong. Maybe there's a different way. Maybe there's something better. And then quickly in a moment, whoa, 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 no, 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 bad judge of character. No, 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 and I do my own thing. And I think a lot of us do that. We, we give the Holy Spirit, we give God just a little bit of an opening and we just say, and then we shut the door. And we face the season the same way each and every time. Well, there's a young girl that we're going to read about, most of you know, uh, if you've been grown up around church. And she's going to be facing the same type of season. And this is going to be a very different one because of one response that she's going to have. And I hope you lean in a little bit as we unpack it. In Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, you can open there. Or if you'd like to follow along on the screens, you can. Um, it continues in the Christmas story in verse 25. And so here we go, the story of Joseph and Mary. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, last week we talked about Elizabeth and we talked about John the Baptist. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist who would come before Jesus. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Let me give you some context here, some biblical context for Bible study students. So here we have the angel Gabriel. It's important to note that in the Bible there are four archangels. We only know the name of two of them, and the names of the two archangels are Michael and Gabriel. And Gabriel is sent to bring revelation. All throughout Scripture, when you see an archangel that comes, their job is to reveal something to God's people. And so in the book of Daniel, you see revelation at times if you read that book. And here you see the archangel Gabriel who comes to bring revelation to a young girl named Mary who lives in a village called Nazareth. Now, it's important to know Nazareth. Now, it, it's really, really important. This is a big part of the story. Nazareth is despised by the Jewish people. In fact, you see later in Scripture where someone says, does anything good come out of Nazareth? And the reason why is, is the Jewish people, they believed they were God's chosen people and they weren't to have any business or any commingling with anybody outside of those that are Jewish. But in the city of, in the town of Nazareth, the Jews 
were commingling lifestyle and culture with the Gentiles. And so all the Jewish people would look at Nazareth and they would despise the town of Nazareth. Nothing good can come out of there. And so we don't want to talk about it. Isn't it quite amazing that God would send an angel to not any other city, but the town of Nazareth to reveal something pretty incredible. It's amazing that he chose that. Continuing on. She, Mary, was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. Now, I highlighted that word engaged because you have to understand engaged then is engagement at that time. Basically, it's you are going to be married. It's not one of those where you break off an engagement. In biblical times, if you were engaged to someone, it was a contractual deal and it was set in stone. Here's the only thing different. You were basically married except for two things. Cohabitation and consummation were not a part of the engagement process. Everything else was a part of their relationship except for those two things. So as people looked at Mary, they saw Joseph. As people looked at Joseph, they saw Mary. Now you have to understand too, when you were engaged, that was a part of regular life. That was, that was what you hoped for. That if you were a young girl, and by the way, do you know how old Mary was at this time? She was not 20, 25. She was not 16. She was not 17. She was 12 or 13 years old because the engagement process typically in that culture was between the age of 12 and 14. Now, a lot of you with your American sensibilities go, ooh, that's awful, those disgusting people. You have to understand, this was the culture of the day. This was normal life. A 12-year-old girl was expected to have a suitor. The parents of a 12-year-old girl were looking for great prospects for their 12 or 13 year old daughter. In fact, if you were 15 or 16 years old as a daughter, your parents were freaking out because they wanted to get rid of you because they wanted to secure your future. So the best that Mary could hope for is at 12 or 13 to have a wonderful, respectable man of character, respected in the town that could support her and that would give her a great life. That was normality in the town of Nazareth. And Mary was engaged to a wonderful man named Joseph with great character. Everything was going great for Mary until Gabriel. Gabriel appears to her and says, Greetings, favored woman. God is with you. Now, pause. If you've been here for the past few years, we've focused our message this week on that statement alone. And if you remember, um, a lot of us read that and we just fly by in Scripture. Oh, isn't that nice? Gabriel said, greetings, favored woman. God is with you. No, 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 no. In that moment, what really Mary probably heard is, your life the way you know it is over. Because for an angel to come in and about to unpack what Gabriel's going to unpack would change Mary's life, not in a positive way, but in an extremely negative way. And we're going to find that out in just a second. In fact, Mary was confused and disturbed. And she tried to think what the angel could possibly mean. And watch what Gabriel says. Mary, don't be afraid, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. Again, okay, favor with God. Look, God, leave me alone. I'm, I'm doing pretty good on my own here. I don't, I don't want you to mess things up. And here's where it's got to really get confusing. Mary, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. And you're going to name him Jesus. Now, I love this. And think about this. If this is exactly how it was written, I want you to think about this. If I'm Mary and I'm hearing Gabriel and Gabriel says, you found favor with God. 
okay, what does this mean? You're going to conceive and have a son. Mary's got to be thinking, great, with Joseph. It's going to be good. We're going to have a son. But, you know, Joseph and I were talking, and when we have a son, I think we're going to name him Joseph because we want to name him after his dad. And so you're saying that we need to name him Jesus. I don't know. I'm going to have to have, talk to Joseph about this. I mean, I'm favored by God, so maybe I'll win out on the conversation. So Gabriel, good point. We'll name him Jesus, and all right, we'll try and figure it out. But you're going to have to have a conversation with my, you know, my fiancé because that's going to be really important. And the next statement out of the angel's mouth is going to change that moment. Take a look at this. He, the baby, will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Son of the Most High is God. Wait, you're not talking about Joseph. You're not talking about me having a baby with Joseph. You're talking about me having God's Son. Everything changes. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. In that moment, Mary is stuck. Here is regular life, 12, 13-year-old girl, got Joseph, engaged, planning my wedding, the day of my dreams. My parents are so happy. Everyone is thrilled. And Gabriel steps in the scene and says, hey, you're going to be pregnant and it's not going to be Joseph's. In that moment, if I'm Mary, I can promise you what my response would be. Because it's not going to be positive. In fact, let me just kind of run through what I would say to the angel if I was there. Here's what Mary's response should have been if Terry was speaking for her. Take a look. Mary told the angel, with all due respect, thanks, but no thanks. I mean, I'm humbled that God would find favor with me, but can his favor be given to me in a different way? I mean, maybe God can choose someone else. No? Okay, how about this? Let me and Joseph get married, and if after a couple of months I don't get pregnant, then you can bless me with the child. Just don't tell Joseph. We don't want to hurt him, you know? I mean, could you only imagine? Oh, my parents would kill me. Joseph would be so embarrassed. You know this town talks. Also, I'll be killed. What do you say? That would be what I would say. I'd be sitting there saying, there's no way. I'm good. I got a good life. You got to choose someone else. I mean, it can't be better for me. How can it be better than what I have now? And I think for a lot of us, when the Holy Spirit comes and says, Terry, what I'm about to say is going to seem like it's going to get worse. But if you trust me, and if you know that I love you, I'm trying to open a door for you to have a great future. So don't settle for good. A great book I read a long time ago, Good to Great. Don't settle for good. When I tap you on the shoulder and my Holy Spirit speaks, if you open up the door, even if it looks bad, maybe it can just be great. Now, I'm a practical person, because, and, I, and I, those of you who, who maybe read the Bible a little bit here and there, or maybe you read it every day, here's one suggestion that I give. Um, sometimes we read the words and the story, and we get lost in the story. And the story is a great story, and it's incredible, and we learn a lot. Sometimes you've got to look functionally behind what a person does. And that's what I want to do right now with Mary, because I want you to see she has her life. Gabriel has God's plan. Mary is stuck right in the middle. I've already told you how I would respond, and I want you to see what Mary does. How does Mary respond? Does she do like a lot of us husbands or wives in the room that when we get into a conversation, we don't want to, I don't want to hear it, and we shut down. I'm not even going to entertain it. 
I don't even going to let you finish. In fact, I'm going to talk over you because it's important for me to be heard, not for me to listen and understand. And many of us, we live our lives that way. When all of a sudden, when someone wants to speak into our lives, when we're at work, and all of a sudden we're there and someone has a criticism, no, 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 I'm not even listening to this. No, you're totally wrong because I don't like you and I don't care, I don't care what you have to say because I don't like you or because something happened in the past. Nothing of what you say makes sense, so therefore I'm shutting all of it out. And many of us in this moment, we don't learn, we don't grow because we just shut down. And I want you to see what Mary does in the moment. Watch her response. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm yet a virgin. I love this because Mary didn't say no. Mary didn't say, but Joseph. She didn't say any of that. What she did was, She, in essence, looked at the angel and said, tell me more. Tell me more. She asked a question. In the moment of a decision, she didn't lean back to what was good. She paused in a moment and said, you know what, God, I know you love me. And God, this is pretty amazing. And so, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm I'm freaked out right now. And, you know, I don't expect a 12-year-old girl to say, great, let it happen. I don't expect her to do that in the moment. I expect her in the moment. The best she could have done was to say, Tell me more. And she did. Let me illustrate this a different way, a little bit more fun too. Many, many years ago, I I, I was a baseball coach um, in college and in high school. I played baseball. My my life was around baseball. Those of you who come to church a lot, you know this. And the amazing, something incredible happened five years ago that changed the game of baseball. You might not know this, but all along, since it was invented, here's the story. And if you've never seen baseball, you're going to get this. In baseball, you have an offense and a defense. The defense plays the field. There's a big field, a baseball field. And traditionally, you put nine players. And what happens is is that the goal of the defense is to either catch the ball or be in a position to get the ball as quick as possible. And so a long time ago when they created the game of baseball, they took nine players, they looked at the shape of the field, and they went ahead and put nine positions out on the field, and they spread the proximity of the field out and divided it among nine players. And over the course of over a hundred years, this game has been played. And if I told you shortstop, that's a position in defense. Within 15 feet, I can, I can point at a spot on a field and I could tell you where a shortstop player would play for over a hundred years. Within 15 feet of a mark, I can literally point and say, a shortstop is going to play anywhere within 15 feet of this place. And it's been that way for over a hundred years until about five years ago. Five years ago, there was a manager who stood up and said, maybe there's a different way. Let me illustrate this a better way. Ooh, I almost tripped over this. So in baseball, on the offense, I'm going to back up. The offense, I was a baseball player that when I hit, 95% of the time when I hit the ball, it would go over here. Good catch. Oh, no, you dropped it. I saw that. See, some of you that are sleeping over there, you just woke up, and you better, because I'm not messing around anymore. If you go to sleep, you're going to get one in the forehead. I'm just saying. And so 95% of the time, when I hit, I would hit the ball, to the left side. You're all impressed. You didn't think I had skills, did you? But yet, in the game of baseball, when I played, within 15 feet, there were the same defensive players. Finally, five years ago, there was a coach named Joe Madden who who was coaching the Tampa Bay Rays. And Joe Madden said, 
This next batter hits the ball like Terry does 95% of the time in that direction. So why in the world am I putting four other position players on this side of the field when there's literally a 5% chance that Terry actually hits the ball over there? Nice catch. Why would I do that? Why wouldn't I take my defense and put them in a position to have the most success? So five years ago, Joe Madden started doing what in baseball they call the shift. And he started moving people from this side of the field over to the other side of the field, depending on where a batter hit. Today, if you watch a baseball game every single inning, you will see position players moving all over the baseball field. And it's because five years ago, there was a coach who said, why don't I do something different? Could we go from being good to being great? Did you also know that when he was coach of the Tampa Bay Rays, when he did this, his team, which had the lowest payroll in baseball, went to the World Series. And it was all because he decided, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to move and put my players in the best position to succeed. Now, why do I say that to you? I think a lot of us are just okay with being within 15 feet of where we currently are. I think we've got families who say, you know what? It's good to just be within 15 feet. And I believe the Holy Spirit is coming and saying, but Terry, if you trust me, I want to put you in a better position. I want you to go from good to great. And a lot of times we look and say, you know what, God, I'm sorry, because everybody else is doing it like this, and it's been done like this forever, and this is the expectation that I have in my family, and this is the expectation that we have. And so, God, I'm not listening because you don't know what you're talking about. I know what's better. And so I'm okay with settling for good. And maybe, maybe, maybe God wants to put you in a better position to succeed. I'm really glad I didn't pelt someone with a ball. So let's watch Mary's response again. Here's what she says. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am yet a virgin. And let's see the angel's response. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Of God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. When you find yourself in the moment, and it happens every day, if you're new to Christianity, if you just pause for five seconds before any type of decision and really just pray and say, God, what would you call me to do? If you're a parent, when your son responds, no, before you react, if you just pause for five seconds and say, God, what should I say? What should I? If you pause in that moment, just like Mary, and if you say, God, I want to do what you want me to do, I don't want to do what I want to do, and in that moment, God will lead you to the better decision. And I want you to write this down. Love, the love of God, the love that he has for our lives to be better, requires you to lean in during the most difficult moments. The problem that you and I have in life is when stress hits, we immediately default to what we want. And so instead of in a moment when there's chaos and everything else, instead of pausing and praying and saying, God, I don't want to make a mistake. God, I want what you want. Mary, all she did was she leaned in and said, you know what? This doesn't make sense. You know what? This is crazy. This is going to end my life. You know what, God? I'm going to lean in. How can this be? How can this be? I gave the story of a young student in high school 
who walks the halls and all of a sudden a guidance counselor comes and says, hey, can you see me today at two o'clock? You just reminded me, I want to show you something. I want to show you something that might help you. And all of a sudden a student in a moment, if they lean in, they might actually show up for that appointment and the guidance counselor shows them a scholarship opportunity to a school they never thought of before that could change the course of their life. And in just a moment, how many of us high school kids say, yes, sure, I'll be there. And then we get distracted and we go hang out with our friends and the guidance counselor, because they're so busy, they forget about it. And there's an opportunity that's lost in the moments that matter. If we pause and if we just say, how, if we lean in now, Mary, in that moment, going back to her story, you have to understand when the angel said you are highly favored. The truth is Mary probably heard something different because Mary, like most of us in that five seconds went to, this is what the angel's saying, but this is reality. This is what this means for my life if I take this decision. So he says, you are favored by God. You're going to conceive a son. He's going to be the son of God. It's going to be great, Mary. You're going to be awesome, Mary. And here's what Mary really internalized. The angel said, you have courage, Mary. And I'm sure like a lot of us, no, 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 I'm terrified. You're worthy, married. How many of you have heard, no, you're worthy, you can do this. And what you think is, if you only knew how bad I really am. You're favored by God. God bless you. You're amazing. God loves you. No, he don't. It can't be possible. God can't possibly love me. Your family will be proud of you. No, they won't. They're going to be so upset and so ashamed. And in Mary's case, if Mary would have in that moment, in Mary's mind, if she accepts this and she becomes pregnant, here's what's going to happen by Hebrew law. In Deuteronomy, here's what happens to a girl who's engaged to someone and is found to be pregnant before they're married. Here's what it says. But suppose the man's accusations are true and he can show that she was not a virgin. The woman must be taken to the door of her father's home and there the men of the town must stone her to death for she has committed a disgraceful crime in Israel by being promiscuous by living in her parents' home. In this way, you will purge this evil from among you. That's what was ringing in Mary's ears. You want me to be pregnant while I'm living in my parents' home? I will be stoned to death. You see the angel saying, Mary, you're gonna be remembered for eternity. Mary really thought is, my life is over. But I love Mary because her next words are words that I've remembered since I've been studying this story. Because the first thing she does is, how can this happen? And she leans into the angel and the angel describes. And then I want you to see Mary wrestle between both worlds and to see her ultimate response. And here's what she said. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. But her first statement, I am the Lord's servant, it means this, God, you love me more than I could love you. God, you have a better plan for my life than I have for you. God, it is your life and it's not my life. God, if this is what you want, I am but a servant. My life will be better. And so whatever you say, may it come true. I think a lot of us are hanging on to good. And we shut God out and we tune him out. And God is wanting us to lean in because maybe, just maybe, life could be different. We're going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask Tangina to come and sing a song for us. 
And while she sings, I want to invite you to just sit. There'll be a video that's playing at the same time. But I want you to talk to God. What is it that you're hanging on to right now? What is it that is not allowing you to move out of where you're at to a better future? Whatever it is, I pray your response would become like Mary's and you would allow God to do an incredible work. Tangina? Everything inside me cries for order. Everything inside me wants to hide. Is this shadow an angel or a warrior? If God is pleased with me, why am I so terrified? Someone tell me I am Somehow help me see with heaven's eyes And before my head agrees My heart is on its knees Holy is He Blessed am I Be born in me Be Just a girl, nothing more. 
baby represented letting go and letting God. The truth is we all want God. Next slide, please. We all want God to change our lives for the better. We all want that. But in order to do that in those moments where God speaks, we have to love God and trust him that he has a better plan. And so loving God means letting God. Loving God means letting God. And a lot of us would agree with that, but for a lot of us, letting God means and requires us to let go. Let go of good so you can embrace great. Do you believe that God has the power? Do you really believe? Some of you, do you believe it just happened thousands of years ago and God doesn't really have the power today? Or do you truly believe that God is who he says he is? and has the power to truly change your life. And if you do, love has the power to change your life if you let it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the reminder that a young girl gave all of us. The courage and the boldness at a young age to say, God, I trust you. God, your way is always better. God, I'm going to stop thinking with my sensibilities and I'm going to trust in yours because it's your life and not mine. And because it's your life, then let whatever you say come true. And so God, I I want to go from good to great. I want to let go. Help me to do so. And may this Christmas be different than any other. We love you, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.